Beers. Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White, Bert Deister. As we, Good morning. Uh, howdy. 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 Beautiful days on Beautiful the way. Beautiful day. We're getting closer. Been waiting for spring to break, and it yes, looks like yes. it uh, actually may have. And today is the day of the Amber Ways of Graham homebrew competition, and the banquet will be tonight. So, you know, if you're eventered and you can't make it to the banquet, they'll still usually, uh, Salt and Swig lives, tweets, as well as they'll begin putting up the results of the competition on their website overnight. So you can go to niagarabrewers.org and check out the results tonight of, uh, and see if you want. Otherwise, you will get your entry forms, you will get any prizes, and you will get all your um, sheets actually sent back to you. So if you're patient, you can wait get those results in the mail but if you're not patient and you want to know you can check out online tonight to see who won very good all right so that's uh is it today when they, when they post it like is it uh refresh the page refresh the page i mean you're talking about you can see the i think they put all the results in. they start filling them in as the night goes on okay. um i usually follow the sultans of swig live tweet you know to keep up so they live tweet each you know each category one two and three as they get announced okay very good. That's exciting. May 2nd deadline for the Uniha 40th Annual Homebrew Competition. Yep. So if you have some more beers to enter and you maybe have some beers you haven't quite finished up or bottled yet, you still got plenty of time as of right now to enter into Uniha. And we are, of course, also a drop-off location for Uniha as well. We already have some folks that turned in beers for Uniha and AWOG at the same time. So we already have a stack of Uniha entries in the back if you got yours to bring on in. All right. Hop rhizomes? The hop rhizomes are here. Okay. We haven't got all the varieties. There's a little question on whether we'll be able to get a couple of varieties. But we have a majority of them in, and we're selling them. So if you had pre-ordered, you should have already got a call, email, um, or they're probably already on their way to you. So be looking for them in the mail. Uh, try to get them in the ground as quickly as possible. Um, not that you can't plant them all the way late May and maybe early June and have them take. Uh, but you will get a much better growth the first year, the earlier you get them in the ground. Um, for those of you who don't know what the hop rhizomes are, they're the bittering and flavoring agent in beer, uh, also one of the antioxidants, and we're using the flower of a perennial rhizome. Um, some people are growing these rhizomes to use the hops. Others are just growing them as a really nice ornamental. Um, they come back year after year growing these clusters of uh, pinecone-like flowers, uh, and they don't uh, root or kind of dig into your foundation, dig into your siding, tear apart your fence. So you have to train them up a small string, uh, and then they can cover whatever space you would like that you cover in string, um, but they won't dig into anything. So they won't do damage to your house, do damage to your property. Very good. Really nice. Tax return season means buying stuff. I can speak. I actually just got mine. Uh, I didn't buy anything. I had to pay down things that I've already bought. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, but maybe people, maybe people did that, you know, buying counterflow chillers or beer guns. Uh, but tax return season, always a good time to, uh, you know, maybe up your convenience level, yeah. lower your work level when it comes to home brewing. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people are already going this way. I think this is a it's one of the bigger non-essential homebrew items, and that's the kegging system. Um, a full kegging system at Niagara Tradition will set you back $235. Um, and because it's a non-essential, it's not like you need a kegging system to brew an IPA, to brew a Pilsner, um, uh, to get into the hobby, to win competitions, uh, it goes back burner for a lot of brewers. But it's a big, big time saver. And if you're 
in this hobby, you want to try to use your time to do only the fun parts. Um, and it will also open up the beers that you're willing to brew. So if you get a kegging system, you're not just brewing strong beers to age in bottles anymore. Now you're brewing like pale ales, pilsners that you can serve and give to people. You don't mind, you know, bringing beer to a party uh, if you didn't spend three hours in the basement bottling it by yourself one night. You know, kegging, you're done in about 15, 20 minutes uh, from carbuy to keg. And it uh, will age, you know, just like your bottled beer. Um, and, uh, but it will never last as long. It okay. never does. So you get into kegging. Um, you know, if you haven't already, it's, you know, you're a glutton for punishment bottling every single style of beer. I mean, I keg, I don't keg everything, but I keg a lot of my lighter styles and it pays because I wouldn't serve beer to friends. I wouldn't bring over growlers all the time if I was bottling everything in 12 ounce bottles. Okay. So one of the things we're going to get to today is uh, about the age of IPAs and why IPAs don't age. Yeah. And also, I wanted to ask you about, um, there are some IPAs that are marketed as drink by. You know, Stone, yeah. oh, yeah. Stone has enjoy by, and they're not alone in that. Yeah. You know, they're going to be drink by this date. So I guess what I wanted to ask you before we get into the, all this about I, IPAs and, and the aging process is um, how can you change the process of a brew like i'm going to go home and make an ipa and i'm going to think that probably has to be drank in a certain amount of time does every ipa have a shelf life they're just kind of the first ones to really focus on it i I think every every beer has a shelf life in, in general um because they all can break down in certain ways. But I think what it is is it really comes to IPA. So if you look at something like a Pilsner or barley wine, um, a, a Belgian Lambic would be a great example of this too. You put it in the cellar and kind of like a wine, you know, the, the when it hits its peak – is really not a quantitative, you know, observation you can make. You can drink it, you can say, oh, it's really good now. You know, you give it to a friend, they don't like it now. Go forward a couple of months and all of a sudden it flip-flops. Oh, I liked it better before. So there's no, we'll say for a lot of beers, set perfect time. You can put them in the basement, you can age them for a while. They'll go through different phases of, you know, mellowing flavors, different flavors coming out um, as time goes on. Um, But you... But they're, they're good at almost every point in that aging process. What happens with IPAs is particularly the flavor that you're looking for dissipates really, really fast. And it's kind of the quintessential flavor of the beer. It'd be like the Grow Disky. It's like, yeah, you can drink a Grow Disky, and if you brew it really well two years down the road, it might not get infected. But at the same time, those that smoke flavor that quintessentially made it a Grow Disky will be gone. And so now it just kind of tastes like a wheat beer. Um, so... Even with a like a lightly hopped IPA or something like that, you do set around for a while or a hoppy beer. You're not getting necessarily those quintessential flavors that made the recipe at the beginning. And at the same time, while those flavors might be missing, those elements aren't gone and they might have turned into things that are not really pleasing. Um, and so I think brewers recognize that uh, more now than ever, I spe- especially with the explosion of craft beer. Um, not everybody who has a beer cellar or collection is doing the research on you know how they should be aging it, what they should be doing to each individual beer. And I think it's great that brewers are kind of putting stuff on there. I mean, you saw maybe before... Uh, you know, serving temperature, you know, kind of how to pour it, whether, you know, you should be stirring the sediment back in or whether you should be pouring it off the sediment in the can or bottle and serving it clear. And I think all these things are really helping the armchair kind of, you know, uh, craft beer fan 
make sure that they're drinking the stuff right. See, that you don't drink a beer from a certain brewery and say, oh, that was horrible. It tastes, you know, like, you know, skunk and pepper. Um, and you never go <laughs> back to it. And, and so I think, one, they're protecting their investment, so they're protecting uh, their beer that makes sure it gets consumed on time. Um, but at the other time, they're kind of giving you a little bit of help on how to kind of manage the beer that you buy. Um, you know, even listening to the show, even doing a little bit of armchair reading, you're not going to know every style unless you're somehow really in the hobby or you're professionally working in beer. Um, and so the idea that you're going to be, you know, like a, a sommelier to wine with your beer, um, having these instructions on what you're supposed to do with these bottles are really going to help you because each beer is going to be different because the, the, you know, the resulting flavor is kind of the intention of the brewer. So they're kind of giving you, here's how we think this should be served best. And they drink that beer all the time. So mm-hmm. trust them. Okay. Um, but it, that's really what it comes down to. And, uh, you know, obviously with IPAs, you know, when they lose their flavor, they're losing all those fruity, piney, citrusy flavors that we were after. And so that's why I think for a, a lot of people, I think it seems funny that these are the beers that are coveted and, you know, transported across country and not always consumed very fresh because a lot of times, you know, people buy a case, they sit them in the basement, you know what I mean? They, they drink a couple the first week and then they sit around for whatever. And that's when you start giving them away, when people are just giving away bottles of Pliny or, you know, cans of Heady Topper because they've been already sitting in the basement for two to three weeks and you're not really getting the full flavor, you know, out of that beer. Okay. So... Ultimately, it's it's more of a um, how how many other styles are this time specific? Um, I mean, any involving hops to a degree. Not, not a lot of, but, but it's not a lot of modern beer. Okay, you know, you go back to like some of those like Swedish table beers and like the sati and stuff like that. I mean, they were meant to be served fresh, partially because they could not keep that long you also see uh like gozas and and beers like that that are extremely tart and have some type of bacteria um some type of very light-bodied like lambics where they're really consumed fresh because you're getting the wonderful acids and the fruit flavors of those bacteria and kind of not a lot of the funk yet um but in most modern beer uh it's meant to be transported great distance and spend some time on you know on the shelf and so, you know, most modern beers, maybe one of the reasons, you know, we kind of look at these Pilsners becoming popular, or we talked about like Russian Imperial Stout or barley wine meant to be transported. Um, you see beer that's really was brewed to be shelf stable. But because for we could get the beer to the customer right away and guarantee that they're drinking something fresh, you didn't want to put beer out on the shelf that, you know, probably wouldn't reach a consumer for a couple of months if you knew it was only going to be good for a couple of weeks. The kind of uh, opposition to this in historical brewing would be the English brewing scene and kind of casking. Um, In England, you know, they often brew beer. They serve it very fresh. In that case, it's not the hops that really people are after. It's the the esters, the kind of finer, uh, volatile, like kind of fruity flavors like stone fruit and peach um, from the yeast that will quickly dissipate over time and so they, they'll send out casts once a week that they're ready to go the beer's only a couple of weeks old and usually by the end of the week whatever beer hasn't been drank they will take back to the brewery and dump out and provide a fresh keg so that you're always getting this consistent fresh flavor but that kind of required easy transportation you know uh, 
stable condition so that you could be moving beers around cellar to cellar and not having any problems and guarantee that supply chain. And that's not been available everywhere. Gotcha. Uh, let's get a break in. And on the other side, we'll pick this up. We also want to talk about making your extract taste like all grain if we get to that a little bit later today. Something we've had on the back burner for two shows. Two shows. Two shows. So we'll get to as much of that as we can. Uh, it is Niagara Traditions Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means. Either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. We're back here on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. We'll maybe get to extract tasting like all grain, maybe push it off for a third show. Mm -hmm. But uh, we've been talking this morning about what it is about hops, why you can't age IPAs, and why they have drink by dates and how yeah. how you can work with those dates and and how how i guess how uh vigilantly you should follow them yeah Vigilant well one if right you word, get a but, you beer know. because my first bottle of pliny ever that i was given uh and that's the first beer i can ever think of having a like i don't know if it had a, a best buy date on it but it said like do not age this beer drink this beer fresh um and the first bottle i ever got was well past that you know prime necessarily the answer is when you get an old beer don't not drink it Still drink it, you know what I mean? But know that it may have been a little bit better early on. Um, and that while it may not be a bad beer now, it might not be at its peak is all. So this doesn't mean that if, you know, go into your basement and, you know, grab your, like, secret stash of New England IPAs and chuck them all to the curb. That's not what this means. I would say to go down there and look at stuff that's not only, um, like, still in its prime, but has been sitting there for a long time, and I would try to drink them. You know what I mean? It's a wonderful thing about some of these, you know, like, beer shares and stuff like that. It helps you get rid of these big beers that are meant to be consumed fast. Um, with a lot less pressure uh, on you. So uh, what is it that's causing the problem in the IPAs? And obviously, I think everybody knows it's the hops. Um, and the hops have a, a couple different elements to them that we need to worry about for stability. Um, we have alpha acids, which I think we're uh, fairly familiar with. They provide the bittering. You see a value of percent weight on the hop of like anywhere from 2 to 20%. We put them into the beer, the hops into the beer during the boil, and that's when we're isomerizing the alpha acids. Um, during that process, they bond to CO2 and other acids in the wort, and it helps make them a little bit more stable um, in nature and uh, help keep that clean bitterness over time. Now, if we looked at after alpha acids, um, probably about 10% of that by weight is essential oils. Um, these are what we talk about most when we're talking about the kind of finishing flavors in beer. And we're going to look at two of them that are kind of uh, characteristic of certain varieties, but there's a lot of them. You know, you can see 12 or more listed for most um, hop varieties of the different oils they contain and, and what those um you know, give off the flavor of it. And like some of the things that you'll see online is some of the oils that are, say, in citra are also common in coriander and cilantro. You know what I mean? So people who get citra and they tend to pick up that spicy, you know, almost coriander bit, 
those are similar chemicals there. And that doesn't mean we can use coriander necessarily to mimic hops, but it does mean that there are some common uh, compounds there. And just like our spices, they don't age that great. Um, essential oils are kind of hydrocarbons, and they are susceptible highly to oxidation. Um, and so that's one of the reasons we try to keep our finishing hops um, as cl closely protected as we can, because unlike the kind of alpha acid, where if you let a hop sit around for a while, alpha acids will slowly turn into beta acids, you'll still get some bittering on it. But if you let your hop sit around, these essential oils uh, will be lost. Um, the humulene uh, is probably the, the most noted out of the traditional varieties, especially the noble hops. It has a very high boiling point, and it has woody and kind of spicy, uh, sometimes almost f uh, floral characteristics. Um, and we tend to see it more in hops like Saz, you know, Howler Atau, uh, Tetany, or Spalter, and some of the other, like, you know, Goldings. Um, and because of that higher boiling point and some other reasons, they're a little bit more stable. So you see the traditional beers like Pilsners tend to use these hops because if they are being aged for a while, while they don't give off the same nice fruity flavors, they're stable for a long time. Now, the, the main oil in kind of IPAs to give it its, you know, fruity and citrus and kind of resinous bite uh, is mycerine. Uh, it has a much lower boiling point and it's much easier to oxidize. Um, and so kind of new world hops tend to break down those kind of fruity or their finishing flavors um, a lot faster than, say, the noble varieties. So the... The what's giving us these wonderful flavors are the same thing that cause New World hops to break down a lot faster. So it, it's a double-edged sword here. Um, we can lose these not only in storage, which I think most brewers are fairly certain about, but we can also lose these a bit in the finished beer. Um, by brewing the beer, we think, okay, we remove the oxen. We isomerize a lot of the acids. We create a lot of other antioxidants. Why doesn't the finished beer, like hot flavor, last longer than our hops in storage? You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. you can have Citra, you know, vacuum packed and in the freezer for a year. You put it into a beer. It has wonderful flavor that day, three, four weeks down the line. It's starting to lose its flavor already, but it's already been sitting around for a year. One, there's oxygen all of a sudden available. Whether it's in the headspace, the like permeability of materials through our car buoys, you know, through the plastic in your airlocks, through the cap, um, oxygen can get in. And some will get in during transfer. Um, unless you're going full like lodos and, you know, like heavy stainless steel, there's going to be some there. And even when you serve it, there's going to be some there. And then the other X factor to where these essential oils go. So even if you have everything perfect, hydrolysis will actually break those down. Um, this is the process where water acts as kind of, kind of an acid, kind of a basic, and begins to break elements down. So inevitably, as soon as we begin to hydrate these hops, as soon as we put them in water, the quintessential element of beer, really above everything else, um, the water itself begins to break down the hops. And so in a little way, once you make the beer, as far as our current technology goes, 
you're a little doomed. You're starting a pathway. There's nothing you really can do about it. There's nothing the brewer can do about it. We can do things to try to, you know, isomerize acids or extract them and bond them to CO2 to try to make them a little bit more stable. Um, We're only as stable as what we bond them to. And still, even doing that, you're still going to get a little bit of degradation of that flavor. So inevitably, there's there's nothing you can do. So don't feel like, oh, this is you know, best storage conditions, this beer will be good for almost ever. Um, it will just slowly start to break down. Now, that also doesn't mean don't do anything. You still want to try to protect your beer, protect your hops. And a lot of the things that we can do to protect the stored hops will also protect the beer. So we want to remove as much heat, oxygen, and light as possible. Those are the enemy. Heat um, will cause any oxidation reactions to accelerate. Um, Sunlight will help catalyze them and help accelerate them well. And oxidation itself, if we can keep the oxygen away the best we can, we're going to have better results in aging the beer. So the first thing you want to do, and I try to get this into a lot of people's head, even though we sell pounders of mosaic and citra all the time, is try not to hoard hops, especially hops in bulk packaging. If there's a hop out there and I want to use it to make a smash day, I will buy two or three ounces of just individually packaged hops. So I know I have the best case scenario to keep them. When you buy hops in a pound and you keep going back for an ounce here, an ounce there, you're letting in more um, oxygen. And even in great conditions, they're still going to be losing their flavor, Um, even if you don't open them. So, you know, it's better to only buy the hops that you need for the short term. Um, and try to always use the freshest product you can out of your own supply. So if you do have pounders of Galaxy and Mosaic and Victoria's Secret sitting around, start using them. They're not good forever. So even though they last longer in the dry form, try to use them quickly. Um, try to keep the opening to a minimum and reseal as soon as you can. So say if you've bought that pound and you know you're going to be using it in two-ounce increments, you may consider as soon as you open up that pound trying to repackage it in two-ounce packages. That way the last ounce that you use hasn't been exposed to air eight times over the past of, you know, the past year as you dip into that hop to try to you know, dry hop or bitter each time. So when you open a hop, try to split it up as much as you can uh, and keep that time that it's open to a minimum. Um, Keep them in the freezer. I think it's kind of obvious, I think, for most people. Um, use freezer bags or mylar bags are even better. If you have a food saver or some type of vacuum sealer, um, those bags aren't great, but they can be you know, kind of comboed with some of these other mylar bags to double layer it, as well as you can still use that to buy some mylar bags or the hops always come in mylar bags reseal using your food saver the bags that the hops already came in so try not to break them up into the food saver bags they are a little bit permeable to oxygen Um, and when it comes to the beer i think the most important thing we can do is when you're especially drinking ipas is drink fresh beer you know i don't think that should be super hard in the long run but i think it also starts with don't hoard the beer you know what i mean (laughs) right um don't buy two cases of a single new england ipa because you really like it you know what i mean um buy what you think you can drink in the next like two weeks and if you do that you should be okay with just about every beer regardless if it's a bigger style regardless if it's an ipa because when beer hits the shelf and is sold to you it's already gone through kind of a basing, and this goes across IPAs, any style really. It's already gone through 
a basic aging process where the, the brewer, the distributors held on to it long enough that it's now ready to be, you know, consumed. So across any style, drink the beer when you buy it. There are some exceptions to this, and usually the mm-hmm. bottles will tell you otherwise, where it might, you know, barley wine, Russian Imperial Stout might get a little bit better sitting on the shelf for a while. But for the most part, the standard rule is when they put it out on the shelf, it's ready to be consumed. Drink it soon after you buy it. That's I have the problem with the Russian Stouts and all Stouts where you're supposed to age them, and I just say, but I don't want to. <laughs> that that I happens dr- to, to me. I bought too. two. I bought two four packs last week of a stout that I fully intend intended on aging four of them and drinking four of them. I drank all eight within two weeks. Yeah, like I just. It's like you with your Oktoberfest. You know, never actually making it all the way. Or what, was it the Oktoberfest? What was it? Yeah, it was yeah, Oktoberfest. Like, I brewed one every March. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna age this. Nah, I, no, I never, yeah, no, no, no. never made it all the way through. I make it. a fest beer in September and yeah. serve that out. Uh, and, and this is uh, uh, definitely a you know a problem for home brewers and commercial brewers is that you know you buy this beer and inevitably you want to be able to come home and you know match a beer to dinner or you know whatever your if oh it's a hot day I want something light oh it's warm I want something malty it's you know rainy or or it's just you know a day I want to go for a New England IPA um you don't really need a lot of reasons there um you want to have this plethora of this styles down in your basement to go choose from and that's not always as you know uh practical as you want um and I would love to have every style available at all times in my basement but if you do something like that, if you're trying to hoard all these beers, you have to accept that you may be drinking, and you may never know it, a lot of these beer at kind of subprime, you know, levels. They've been sitting around too long. They're, uh, yeah, and I, I'm, and, I'm perfectly guilty of this. And I think it's another, another note here is don't get people super, super weird beers as Christmas and birthday gifts. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's one thing I would say about a beer is if you know of a, especially a local brewery, like you know of a brewery that's just in town. Um, this is a homebrew point. This is a this is a macro a microbrewery point, and you have one of their cans and think like, oh wow, that's not good. I would always advise going to the brewery and trying it out. Yeah. Like, and I can speak the the best example I've ever had of this was the first time ever Twelve Gates. We've had, we have a guys from Twelve Gates on before. Like I had a can and thought like, oh, I don't really like this IPA. Then I went to the brewery and had a draft, and I was just like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. So, like, the quality of especially IPAs, you know, that are going to be susceptible to all these elements that you talked about, like, you get, you can get a major difference. Yeah. And, and so if, if I was going to a brewery and I was, like, doing, let's say, a beer pilgrimage and I walked in there, I would probably get their, like, New England-style IPA on draft or get, like, a couple of cans to drink right there. And then I would look down their, you know, beer list at what's going to age well. So I'm going to pick dark. I'm going to pick, like, roasty. I'm going to pick high alcohol. And those are going to be the beers that I, you know, set into the car and bring home and put into the basement. And I think there's a little bit of – and one of the reasons I bought my grandfather is I want to be able to brew three-gallon batches in the basement so I can brew New England IPAs. Very good. Well, we're running out of time here. So we'll push it off again. We'll push it off again. <laughs> and I would like to wish my fiance Kristen, a very happy birthday today. Very nice. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. We're back next week with Niagara Traditions Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520 with a promise to get to, maybe a promise, making maybe your promise. extract taste like all grain. Tune in next week to find out if we get there. Beer, 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 beer. 
been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.